0: So we just were going over the post this morning about John 1 verse 14 <clears throat> and, and the word was made. It didn't become flesh, okay? Was made flesh, but it became flesh. So some would teach that it, the word, what? Was made something other than he wasn't <laughs> anymore. And some would teach it that way, but the reality is uh, the proper understanding of John 1:14 is is the word was what was made flesh, putting it on, and and then we see that in John 1 verse 14. And then, of course, the truth of what comes out of that again, as we've been God has been showing us about. Uh, that you can't separate grace from his glory because there wouldn't be any truth, would there? There isn't any, there isn't any truth, there isn't any grace apart from God's glory. There just isn't. And, uh, but in, in the types that we see, we, we can see this, and we can, we can look back as those that are in Christ and glean from the types that are in the Old Covenant or the Old Testament. So in Isaiah six, verse one, it says this, in the year that King Isaiah died. And what, what we need to know is, here is Isaiah. Isaiah was of course a prophet, but he was a great patriot to the nation of Israel. And King Isaiah reigned for 52 years. Can you imagine having a godly king or a godly president uh, reigning for 52 years? And that's what he got used to. He got used to seeing that with him. Then he says, again, in the year that King Isaiah died, I saw the Lord. I, I saw also the Lord sitting upon a throne high and lifted up, and his train filled the temple. So what he's saying here is that this great king, this, this great earthly king died. But was he left without hope? And even the fact of, uh, of King Uzziah reigning, he was reigning under the influence of he whose throne was above the earth. And this is a picture when we see this now, Okay, when we say, okay, I, I saw the Lord. Well, who's the Lord? Is it God the Father, God the Son, or God the Holy Spirit? It's Christ in his pre-incarnate state. Did they see him in his fullness? Did he see him in his fullness any more than even the angels did? And again in John 1.18, no, because no created being, angel or man, has ever seen God in all his fullness because you'd have to be God. <laughs> but certainly he's made visible through Jesus Christ and that's where we get John 1, verse 14. The Word, the word uh, became uh, flesh, was, ma- was made flesh, And we beheld his glory, the glory as of an only begotten. Because that's what it says in the original. uh, Of an only begotten, uniquely begotten, one-of-a-kind son. And we beheld, and he dwelt among us in his humanity just like us. He didn't have a sin nature, but he had a human nature. And in that human nature, he would feel and go through everything that you and I would go through, yet, uh, yet apart from sin. Because God raised him up so that he would be the very identification that you and I would have. And he could intercede for us in that way, and he couldn't otherwise. He had to put on humanity. And really, when it says in John 1 verse 14, where the word became flesh, right? It was made flesh. Really, it literally means he tabernacled himself. (laughs) So when you look, like all through, uh, the old covenant the old testament and where you would see like a tabernacle in the wilderness and john and in, in numbers the tabernacle was a picture and when you when you view the tabernacle okay and and it was the tabernacle before Israel could be established as a nation and they would build the temple but until then there was the tabernacle and the tabernacle when you looked at it if we looked at it It was made of all the different skins of an animal. So on the outside, it wasn't anything special. It wasn't anything that would be so attractive. And what that's a type of is in Isaiah 53, and we've shared this before, I'll read it again. In Isaiah 53, verse 1, it says, Who's believed our report? Really, it's our message. Who's believed the truth and and the preaching? And to whom is the arm of the Lord revealed? So the arm, what does that speak of in type? An arm here where it says arm is an anthropomorphism. And what that is, is we ascribe to God so we can understand how he acts and the things that he does. We ascribe an arm, (laughs) right? It's an arm. So how do we do things? Well, we do them with our arms. Well, who is the arm, right? And look what it says here, right? The arm of the Lord. Who's the arm of the Lord? How does God do anything? He doesn't do anything outside of Christ. Everything he does is through Christ. Even creating. So it's like the Father planned it, and, and the Son and the Holy Spirit were in on it, because <laughs> they're one. But they it was implemented in, in, in this way by the Father. But how... It's like the son became the architect and the builder. So it's like the plans, in one sense, they were all in on it, but who's the arm of the Lord? It's Christ. So who's believed in Isaiah 53, verse 1? Who's believed our message, our preaching, our report? To whom is the arm of the Lord revealed? Well, he will grow up before him, before God, as a tender plant and as a root out of a dry ground. Israel at that time was very dry, <laughs> right? During that time, they were held in captivity uh, by the Roman government, which, which they couldn't stand, but they were still dry in the sense that in John 1, 11, he came unto his own, the nation of Israel, and his own rejected him. So he's like this root in a dry ground, but still the root, right? That's why he's the root of our righteousness and he'll be the root during the millennial reign for the nation of Israel and all the other nations. But here, again, he he will grow up as a tender plant and as a root out of a dry ground. Look at what it says. He has no form nor comeliness. And when we will see him, there's no beauty that we would desire him. So even the tabernacle in, in type in the wilderness was made of all these animal skins nothing to look at on the outside nothing attractive you go inside there it was gorgeous beauty the way it was and it goes into all the beauty the gold and the different colors it was magnificent and that of course is a type when when we yes we're positioned in Christ but until we enter in experientially to his beauty which which is what makes it so beautiful? His glory. But how would we know it if it did? It wasn't through grace, something we absolutely didn't deserve? Right? But once you enter in experientially and you see the beauty of who he is and who we are in him as he's in us, boy, we see this treasure. In 2 Corinthians 4, 7, we have this treasure in these fragile clay jars just like him. I mean, what is it about us if it isn't his beauty within that would shine forth without? We have that treasure in 2 Corinthians 4 7. <clears throat> so here we see that type. We see Isaiah 53, 1 and 2. We see that, how that Christ fulfilled that in John 1.14. That word that he always is is God, the Son, <laughs> the very full expression of God the full expression of his very glory. And we can see that, we even see that in Hebrews, the first chapter. And this is why, again, it's so important to get the preponderance of all these scriptures because they are the evidence, the witness for us to come to a, ca- a proper conclusion, to see who we are, see who he is, Christ, in his glory, and, and, and to see who he is in us through his grace. And that's why in Hebrews, in Hebrews, Chapter 1, verse 1, it says, God, who who in many different times and in many different ways spoke in times past unto the fathers, those Old Testament fathers, by the prophets, has in these last days spoken unto us by Son. Really, His it's by His Son. By Son. Whom He hath appointed heir of all things, by whom also He made the worlds. Look at verse 3. Who being the brightness of His what? Glory. And the express image, the very image, the very image of his person and upholds all things by the word of his power. When he had by himself, it's so incredible, purged our sins, sat down on the right hand of the majesty on high. So, really, what this is saying is here is the Son in his pre incarnate state who not only created everything, and we know that from John 1 3. We know it from Colossians 1 and verse 16, not only created it, but what keeps everything? What keeps the sun and the moon and the planets and the stars in their proper orbit and in their proper place? Well, Hebrews eleven three says, he does. He framed it and keeps it and holds it together. You know, and we talked about it. I think Edwin and I, we talked about the Adam You know, people can break that down all you want, but then they see this power, this thing. And what is that? What is it that holds everything together? Isn't it the atom? Isn't that the power that Christ is? It most certainly is. And how, when we, by grace, see his glory, how that holds us together, just like even more so. But that one that would do that, create everything, would be the one who would put on humanity, <laughs> that same word that he is, putting on humanity, that same power, how much more power was exerted to make us his creation? In Ephesians two eight through ten when he had by himself notice that purged us from our sins boy does that take away all legalism and all works and fleshly works and all of that by himself purged our sins he sat down how did he sit as a man and he sits there at the right hand in Revelations 120 with all of us seated in him positionally that's why sin can't touch our, our positional relationship as, we, as as God brought out through his word in the post this morning. You can't touch it. Sin can't touch it, but what can it touch? It touches our fellowship because he cannot even look upon sin in Hebrews, uh, in, in Hosea 1 and verse 13 because his eyes are so pure. But he sees us in the purity of his son and in Job 36 verse 7, he never... Removes his eye from the righteous. Why? Because in 1 Corinthians 1.30, Christ is our righteousness. And that's how God sees us. That's all the time how he sees us. But when we get cut off through sin and our experience, through a choice of our will, do we continue to see how God sees us? And we, we don't because it takes him, the necessity of him, to even with that life that we are, to control us with that life. And it's always grace and nothing else, but <clears throat> so we can see just in the type here. In Isaiah six one, in the year that King Isaiah died, I saw also—it's a great also, right—the Lord sitting upon a throne, meaning He's in control. Yes, Isaiah died. Yes, I, yes, and He was there implemented because in Romans 13:1, all the powers, all the authorities that be are ordained of God to set that way, and it was God's will that He should reign. King Isaiah was is 52 years over the nation of Israel. But, did he, but he died. Was that the end for them? No, because who's in control? The Lord sitting upon a throne, <laughs> ruling and reigning, high and lifted up. Above what? Everything. That's our position in Christ. That's who's in control of us in Christ. It's our, our Savior and His train. This robe, this manifested glory, it really filled the temple. Above it stood the seraphims. They're called the burners. They're the burners. Why? Because they're in his presence, right? And they have this beauty which was not created by themselves. Of course, that's what Satan tried to make it in Isaiah the 28th chapter. We can see that in type, brought about in type by the king of Tyre. We can see that. But that creation that was so beautiful, they were reflecting, just the, it's just the reflected glory of their creator. And they were reflecting it and on fire with it. Just this purity and glory. That's the picture here, the seraphims, the burners. Each one had six wings, and again, these are all types. With two, they covered their face. Why? Well, because even in even in this partial, this partial manifestation of his glory, they still, unfallen, had to cover their face. This is very intense. How should we approach God, God, in our own lives? My God. Each one had six wings, two covered their face. With two they covered their feet. What's that speak of? Absolute humility in an unfallen state, but still humble in his presence. Two, they covered their feet. And with two, they did fly, meaning instant obedience to execute his will. (laughs) It would only be us, right? And then one cried unto another, what? Holy, holy, holy. They're singing an antiphonal song in like a four-part harmony. They're singing and worshiping. The, is the Lord of Hosts. The whole earth is full of His what? His glory. Mm-hmm. The posts of the door moved at the voice of Him that cried, and the house was filled with smoke. We'll, we'll go get into these things at a different time. Then said I, "Here is, here is the prophet Isaiah." Okay. He, is, he was dwelling in time and his whole thought life was fixated on time. And then God pulled back the time and let eternity become manifested to him. And then he saw Christ lifted up. And then all of this, the angels, and by the way, they're an innumerable host, singing and worshiping. And then he said, and then he said, Then said I, woe is unto me. Woe, oh my God, he said, woe, I am undone. I am what? Oh Lord, I am, everything about me is gone. I'm undone. I can't do a thing because I, because what? I am a man of what? Unclean lips. What I was confessing, what I was involved with, I left out the purity of him who's in control. Boy, oh boy. I'm a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of what? Unclean lips. What are we outside of the purity of his grace and his glory when we function in that experientially as believers? Right. No wonder it says in Titus 1.15, to the pure all things are pure, because we've been purified by Christ, haven't we? Acts fifteen nine, we are purified by faith, absolute dependence in Christ. We're purified, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. For my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of Hosts. Then what happened? Then flew one of the seraphims unto unto me, having a live coal in his hand, which he had taken with the tongs, with tongs from off the altar. This is a beautiful picture, the beautiful picture of of Christ who was not only the burnt offering, completely purified by the fire, there was no fault found in him on the cross, none in him, but certainly our sins were on him. This goes into the types that we see in the sacrifices in Leviticus chapters one through seven. The burnt offering, the sin offering, the trespass offering, the peace offering, all these different offerings and they are all indicative of our position in Christ, who we are in him. Do we even understand them? And how necessary is it for us to have a proper experience by grace so that his glory is manifested? He's lifted up and he's glorified. And whenever Christ is glorified, we are what? Blessed beyond measure, blessed beyond measure. Well, they took one of the calls. And that that was the coal that was purified was part of that who Christ is. And it purified in type. It purified his lips. That's Titus 1.15. To the pure, all things are pure. But e- even to the unbelieving, they are what? They function in what? A defiled what? Conscience. Conscience. Is that our true conscience in Hebrews 10.1 and 2? No, we've been purified. And, he, and then they couldn't even, could they touch it? No, all they could do was be instructed to take it with tongs. They couldn't touch it. Truthfully, because it wasn't for them. Who was it for? It was for Isaiah. It was for us. Because it wasn't for angels. It was for us. Pretty incredible. No wonder he put on humanity in, in Hebrews chapter 2 verses 9 to 14, and what was accomplished in that chapter. Read the whole chapter of Hebrews 9 and 10. Boy, get a full, we'd get a full understanding in a beautiful way. He took it from off the altar. That was an application of the finished work of Christ and its purity. And he laid it upon my mouth and said, Lo, this has touched your lips, and your iniquity is taken away and your sin purged. That's right. Picture of what the cross, what Christ accomplished on the cross for us in Christ. Then I could hear the voice saying, then I could hear the voice of the Lord saying, whom will I send? Well, who will he send? I mean, does his word go through properly to to others if that one has not been purified in their experience? Does it have to do with his grace and glory? Can it? Can't. I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom will I send and who will go for me? Then said I, Here am I, send me. Why? He's purified me. And that's what we are. We're pure. We're absolutely pure in our position. But is our experience pure? Can we say we're holy, holy without a proper purified experience that would be the equal of our position? No. But the only way we can is through grace, right? And that's why grace is never the freedom to sin, but it is only freedom from sin. It's not the answer to sin, it's not the answer for, to sin, but it's the answer for sin. Because it has to do with his glory, his grace and his truth, and God would never give who his son is in his person and in the accomplishment of his work for you and I to continue in sin and to think that the normal Christian life is constant sinning and constant constant getting right with grace and leaving out his glory because you can't separate the two right thank God for that so father we thank you and praise you for the truth of this word here and, and we look forward to all of us as we're all being taught by you so graciously and so gloriously who Christ is in the grace and truth of that glory of who you are, Father. and Just thank you and praise you this morning in Jesus' name. Amen.